The Delling Pod with me, James Dellingpole, and I am so excited and delighted about this week's guest. His name is Christopher Hope. He is the senior political... No, well, you can call me that, or anything you like, really. I'm the Telegraph's chief political correspondent and its assistant editor. Well, that sounds pretty good. Is that enough? Chief political correspondent. And you are current, you've just got a, a new job, which yes. is... Well, not that new, but I've been for the past six months, I've been the lobby chairman. So my job is to help journalists, about 120 or so journalists in, in covering politics, liaise with the executive, with the government, and get them uh, prompt briefings and trying to hold the man to account, James. Yes. Well, I... In my, uh, I, was, I was on the Telegraph for, for many years, and I always used to think about the, 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 the lobby journalists and the political editors and stuff, that they got far too excited about the political process and about uh, and they revered MPs too. So twenty four, these kind of things. Well, the, it just it seems to me that, that that lobby journalists tend to go native. That they 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 form a kind of Stockholm syndrome relationship. There's with a bit the of that. MPs. I mean, we are meeting in the lobby room in the House of Commons, aren't we? We should yes. we should describe for your listeners. Describe it. Go on. Well, it's wood panelled, as you might expect. It's got names on the, on boards behind me of previous lobby chairmen, and many of them have been very senior people who yeah. went on the great things, like Trevor Kavanagh of the Sun and um, Adam Bolton's there. Adam Bolton, blimey, Gary yes. Gary Gibbon. Mm. Um, and this is a room where, um, when Parliament's sitting, of course, it's parode. We can come on to that if you like. Um, I hold, a, I chair a meeting with the press, the official spokesman of the PM. Um, who then briefs us on whatever the PM, think, we, PM thinks, and we can ask him whatever we like about anything in government. So it's really, it's a privileged position of being able to ask anything you like of the executive, and I try and make that happen. And so, so who is the PM's official? He's called James Slack, but we don't say his name, in, it's, it's, we just say the PM's official okay, spokesman, yeah. because he's speaking on behalf of the entire government. It's not really about him. In America, you have the name spokesman for Donald Trump, you know, who becomes a quite a famous person, Kellyanne Conway. Yes, I enjoy those conferences. But we don't we don't film this. It's all done off camera. Right. And there's a convention that we, we say the PM's official spokesman rather than naming him because it's the person he's speaking. He's basically the mouthpiece of the prime minister. And do do you get stuff from him that you wouldn't get from elsewhere? I mean, is is he honest with you? Is it or is it? It's the formality. I think he, he's on. Yeah, he tells it like it is. I mean, he does his best it, it, within the the limited way he can. He can't do politics, so he can't do. We can say to him, will MPs be whipped tonight to vote for the MV4, the fourth vote, meaningful vote, which I'm sure is what Boris Johnson was planning to offer to us next month. But he can't do any of that. He does purely on what the government says, what the government's doing. Right. And that, the political questions are for someone called Rob Oxley, who's the political secretary. And he briefs us um, after PM questions once a week and then, you know, sends around political um, so the, the 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 two mouthpieces are political and some government civil service. Now, you, you are. Um, I've just done your just done your excellent podcast. Yes, the, Chopper's, Chopper's Brexit podcast. Chopper's Brexit podcast. And God, I, I so envied you. You've got <laughs> you've got a team. You've got I have staff. a team. Yes, you've got people who who, who do the sound levels. Theo Ludis, the producer. Elliot Lampett on sound. And, well, and you, they're all here, aren't your guys? Aren't they all here? Yeah, yeah, right. You know, I'm looking just, at you. There's no just, one else around you. It's just me. It's got that homemade feel. That, it's it, the telling that, pod. It has a different, a different attraction. It's, People well, it, like that. Yeah, yes, it, yes. It, it definitely has a different, a different vibe. Yes. And and you kind of, 
you sort of script it. I mean, you you you, you block out what you, what you roughly what you want people to say. Yes. Whereas I do no, I, you you wouldn't guess this, but I do no preparation at <laughs> no. all for my. But you got podcast. my name right, so you looked at the, the, the name is correct. No, no, it was just no. I, ha- I had it in my head already. Yes, it was and there. Yeah, well, because because no there's googling, sort of, sort of, there's sort of mnemonic, you know, chopper. Okay, so that name's yeah, Christopher Hope. Hope, Christopher yeah, Hope. Yeah, it, so it was it. easy. Actually, funny you mentioned that. One of the weird things about um, Lyme disease, which I'm recovering from. Uh, and I don't talk about it because it's actually really I didn't boring. Know that, no, 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 it's, it's, no, it's really, really boring. But one of the the annoying side side effects, I went through a period where I did not remember anybody's name, even even people I know I know really quite well. Mm. So I, I was very much reliant on my wife to kind of mm. fill in at, at parties. A lot of men ha- have that to a degree, don't they? But yes. not an extremist like you. Oh have. no, it was it was really extreme. I mean, I could Is have it come men or women. I think it's a, a men thing. Uh, men, totally. Is it men? Yeah, totally. I'm always being reminded of who people are by my wife. I can't. No, no, absolutely. And I think a lot of couples have a have a code that that um, whereby I don't know who this person is. I don't know where we've met. And and what the wife normally does is say, "Hello, I'm I'm you know Sally or whatever." And 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 I don't believe I I know how you know my husband. And she does all the work. Well, I always say who I am when I meet somebody to try and trigger the response of who they are as well. I, I think it's just politeness. No, I just know everyone's going to know who I am, Chris. Do you? Because yeah, you're yeah, famous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I actually get accosted in the streets by... Do by, you? Yeah, by strangers. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it freaks me out every time it happens. I mean, it's nice. Yes. Because they are nice. But at the same time, you think, oh, my God, if they recognise me, then that means all the kind of Antifa... In fact, I know this for a fact, because I was covering a... Um, a Brexit party rally. Yes. I met you there. In Olympia. Olympia. I was doing our documentary about and Farage. The, I interviewed you for the thing. Yeah. And, and, and the crowd outside, the unwashed mob, was saying, Darling Paul knows nothing. <laughs> Darling Paul knows nothing. No, no. And I thought, well, yeah. Um, I was sort of flattered and yet not. There are some people in the Brexit debate who become this symbol. So I was at a UKIP um, uh before they kind of imploded a UKIP conference and yeah. Matthew Paris's name who's a friend of mine who I've known for decades mm. and has a huge help to me in what I've tried to do in my career is often raised as a person who completely winds them up he completely winds up the Brexiteers Matthew Paris his, his name he'd be booed you know he's like a token perhaps you're the Chris, you're you, the remainers Matthew Paris Chris you, you say this you say this about Paris in a surprise voice have you actually read any of his, his many spectator columns every every other week on, on why he can't stand Brexit He's been. He's he called a, out Boris Johnson early, and I do remember back in 1999, he was an early hater of Tony Blair, way before most people piled in after the Iraq War. It's interesting to to, to re- remember, because uh, one easily forgets that that a lot of the people who have been unhinged by Brexit derangement syndrome, of Mar- Matthew Paris being an obvious example, people like AC Grayling did have a previous life in which they were quite normal. I mean, I used to love Matthew Paris's columns. I think Matthew is one of the finest writers in this country. When he's not writing about Brexit, he is fantastic. And I'm sure there are people out there... His honesty, his absolute honesty, just leeches through his writing. But on Brexit, he really can't get over it. And it's, it's, um, yeah. Yeah. So do you have to... You're definitely much more um, uh, sensitive and delicate, um, diplomatic on the subject of Brexit on your podcast than I am on mine. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm full on, you know, remainers yes. are complete loons and stuff. Yes. But surely the Telegraph's readership, we, we we met some of your readers yes. or listeners. Yes. And they were as Brexit as they come. The first time, the first time. They've, yes, they are. I mean, I think if you're a reporter, though, James, rather than a columnist, yeah. 
you have to get everyone to talk to you and give everyone a fair hearing as best you can. So I try and keep all of my personal views in the locker. Yes, that must be must be difficult. I, I mean, I, I don't think I could do that. I don't think I could ever, for example, take David Lammy seriously or... Well, pretty much any Labour MP <laughs> apart from Kate Hoey and a few... Keir Starmer's a good bloke. Barry Garden. I'm, I'm, I'm now naming... Because it's very hard to get anyone to come on my, my podcast from Labour. Keir Starmer has come on. Um, Barry Gardner, Chris Bryant. The ones who I think are grown-ups and don't see me as a stooge for the Tory party, but as a person trying to report Brexit. I've asked repeatedly Jeremy Corbyn and anyone from the Leader's Office, no one comes on. Because they, they, the prop, what I worry about is the echo chamber that's created by... Brexit and to look to a more lesser extent sort of momentum and everything else means that we just not have no one the two sides are not talking and we have to keep keep talking and listening to different people's views all the time yes I, I disagree with that I, I don't think the other side have, has anything to say of any interest whatsoever I mean I, I why could I, you vote Corbyn sorry why could you vote for Labour why could I vote for yeah. him give well, me five policies that you might vote for him make you vote for him um well, obviously, I've got some ideas. he's got to bring back fox hunting because <laughs> um, that was so successful on the, on the Theresa May. That was me who asked um, Jeremy Hunt that, you know, for the podcast, for my Chopper's Brexit podcast. I, I said to Jeremy Hunt during the campaign, would you bring back fox hunting? And he said, yes. Oh, so oh that was me. Yeah. And he's told me that was one of the, one of the two big mistakes he made in, in the leadership campaign was answering me honestly. And yet for me, it's probably the only thing he's ever said, which has been, which has been right. No, look. Do you fox hunt? Corbyn, I, well, unfortunately, I've currently been... I say currently, they think it's permanent. I've been banned by my family. I had a really bad hunting accident and I bust up my collarbone and my ribs. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, I think, I think hunt, fox hunting should be made compulsory. I think yeah. it's, it's, it's character I've never hunted in my life. No, well, you probably can't ride a horse, can you? No. Well, the <laughs> <laughs> can you not use quad bikes? Can't we modernise yeah, it? Yeah, or are, drones. There are, there are, do it by drones. There are foot packs in the north, yeah. and um, I believe in in the, the Brixton hunt uses bicycles and and yes. and they wear hoodies. What are they hunting Brixton? Well, it's cats. Oh, cats, not <laughs> uh, urban uh, no, foxes. Actually, there's loads of urban foxes in Brixton. Yeah, and and Camberwell, which is where I, I used to live. Yeah, they're they're, <coughs> they're, they're pests. That they they climb through windows and, and eat babies or, or or threaten. Was that ever was that an urban myth that was ever proven well, that a fox no, bit no, a baby I, once? You no, know, foxes have I, I believe hassled babies having climbed yes. through the window I don't think they've ever, ever actually eaten one unlike have you ever the, the, unlike the ding sorry have you ever bitten a child's foot well I, I'm sure I've gnawed my children's feet I mean <laughs> yeah. they're, they're very in a playful way they're very biteable yes. babies one mustn't eat babies abs- generally absolutely but that's all that's all behind me oh no I've got grandchildren uh, so that will be <laughs> yeah yeah I've got my first grandchild gosh Oh yeah, I'm I'll not, keep that child away from Dame Danny Pole until it's 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 fully fledged no, into a grown-up. No, grown no, no, I'm 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 going to love being a grandpa. I'm oh, going to yeah. be be really in, in, indulgent. <laughs> so, Chris, um, Brexit. Um, do you think? I mean, I, I'm I, as you, as you know, as I vouchsafed on your on your podcast, I am supremely optimistic about Brexit. I think that Boris is going to be great. I think you know, apart from the withdrawal agreement, which I worry about slightly. Actually, what's your thought on that? Do you think there's any danger the withdrawal agreement will come back? I think you'll try and rebadge something and not call it the, 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 the backstop, this agri-foods idea. Um, the problem I've got with his plan mm. is that it doesn't really deal with the other bits of the back of the document, which is equally appalling to Brexiteers. That's what I mean. What, the ECJ, ECJ jurisdiction, the bill. Um, there's there's going to be a, a, a shadow, shadowy, my quotes, committee running relations between the EU and Britain, run by two officials with yeah. no minutes, 
you know, no way of vetting what, what they're saying, which would be setting out uh, disputed areas of policy between the trading bloc and the UK, all sorts of things which are pretty much anti what Brexit is about in that document. And those those officials that you mentioned, those sh- we, we, we don't, don't know who they are. We don't, we don't know the names, but presumably they're going to be Remainers because they're, they're civil service and who are all Remain. I don't know what to say about that. I think, I'm not sure they all remain. I've, I've watered down my feeling of criticism for Ollie Robbins um, because I think he was doing what he was uh, told. Sir Ollie Robbins. Sir Ollie Robbins to you and to me. But after the, the, the resignation on his list was announced on Monday, I just think, you know, he, he, he was trying to interpret mixed messages from his boss. He was not. He was a complete tosser. He, he, didn't he, <laughs> he, tosser. He, write, he write papers at Oxford in, in, in praise of, of, um, of the, uh, the, Soviet... Okay, Ollie Robbins Soviet is not writing. a tosser, I think. You can't say that. But I think we can say that there's a, there's a degree towards liking the status quo, which has been the EU for 40 years, and it's quite hard. You do need a, um, a disruptor. Um, Boris Johnson, aided by his chief advisor Dominic Cummings and Michael Gove to a degree, to pull, kicking and screaming, the civil service into where it's going. But I do worry that your old friend Michael Gove says he would vote for Theresa May's deal just last week. Now, why is no, that? No, I don't. I don't. That worries me. I don't understand why he's saying this stuff. And you're right. If 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 the, these shadowy figures are negotiating behind the scenes, and they're saying, well, you know, if, if you can just give us the the backstop, we'll we'll happily take these. Well, Nigel jail. Farage will not accept that. The problem he's got is you've got to kill off that twelve percent of votes, fourteen percent of votes that will go towards the Brexit party unless we have a clean Brexit, and anything to do with the deal will not will mean that that Farage will have his his you know straw man to kick against, and he'll be fighting in all these seats, and and then you let you possibly allow a Remain alliance government with, led by Jeremy Corbyn with SNP support, Lib Dem support, Plaid and the Green. The green. And the Green. Yeah, like, like, the Green. The Green, yeah. <laughs> but he did it in Brighton, the Green. But the point is, you that's the mistake. The mistake, I don't know why he was saying October the 15th as an election date before the council. That to me was mad because it meant that you would go into an election saying we'll get a deal four days after you make me Prime Minister to the Britain's public. And Farage will say, well, how can we trust him? And anyway, he wants a deal. And this deal is a surrender document in their language. So why do it? So so you think if you are, as, as I imagine lots of uh, our special friends are, the, the, rather the special friend, there's only one special friend who listens to this podcast. I imagine the special is friend is, is probably very very sympathetic towards the Brexit party and, and probably... Um, is, is relieved by that because you reckon that if if Boris had got the election before the October the 31st do you think he could have easily shafted, shafted us more well, he, I think he's got to fight an election on a no deal manifesto to yes. win yes oh, now you're talking my but I think he's got to I think he's got to or else he won't win and if I was Boris Johnson I'm not if I was advising the government which I don't I would say just Go for no deal, go all out for no deal, and then win an 80-seat majority, 60-seat majority, whatever the polls say, 40%, 40-seat majority, which is what John Curtis said recently, apparently, and then tack back into the middle ground, which is what will happen anyway, and reclaim those moderate Tories and reconstruct the party from the right. That's yes. what he's got to do, I think, to well, get us out and probably reform the Tory party. Yeah, but Boris, we know from everything he's said and done, is not is not on the right of the party. He's he's I mean he's he's pretty squishy exactly. actually in, exactly. in, in my book. And he's it's clear he's that pro immigration. He's it's clear that his plan is to go for a a, a a spending splurge, and he's relying presumably on the kind of Laffer curve principles that if he reduces taxes, 
the Texans will actually increase the the intake of the exchequer, and that's I you know I, I'm prepared to support him in that, even though it's not my ideal small government government, because I think he's going to deliver on so many other areas. Um, but it's good to know that that you think you're that you, I can't see any other option. No. To, I can't see any other option to deliver majority Tory government with a decent working majority yeah. because basically during any any uh, p- um, five-year cycle, 15 to 20 MPs you know, die, move across to the other side, are sacked by their own constituents. There's all sorts of... So you, you basically, you know, you, you, uh, you accrete or you get rid of this, this majority will shrink and shrink. You need 30 or 40 to have a proper working majority. And I mm. think if I were Boris Johnson, I'd be, to, 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 I would, you know, I would go for a hard Brexit and then tack back over five years. That's how you do it. Just going back a bit through the, the last few, go- how long have you been a political correspondent? Well, I've been a journalist all my life. I've been in the lobby um, um, for the past uh, 13 years. I'm the longest serving reporter at the Telegraph. All oh, right, okay. So, so you've, you've, you've seen a bit of politics in the last few years um do you share my horror at what a complete dog's breakfast various conservative governments have made of the job of being conservatives i mean i i i I sometimes well i've spent many of the last last 20 or or so years spitting blood at what a useless shower or uh, that we've had what is your conservative james what is your version of conservatism oh um that's a key question okay um Limited government, um, strong defence of the realm and property rights. Um, obviously, you can't you can't have a, a functional country without those things. Um, low taxes, um, liberty. Liberty, I think, is an element that's been missing. A lot. Drugs, soft drugs use. Um, oh, I'm fine on those. I mean, I, I really like don't cannabis, care about cannabis. Yeah, cannabis. Really, yeah, I, I'd, I'd legalise all drugs. Actually, mm. I'd also I'd also have much less stringent gun control. But that's that's the the kind of American thing mm. in me. Uh, I what don't have, know why that is? What, what have I what have I missed? Um, those seem to me obvious things. And that, into that, you can d- explain your position on fox hunting, on all sorts of areas which which current Tory governments run I'm, away from. I'm also, by the way, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a free trader. But having said that, I don't sympathise with all those people who are criticising Donald Trump for his tariff policies on, on China, because I think China is the exception. I think China has, has, has changed, the, changed the rules. And actually, the, the Ch- China has been raping the global economy for since it was admitted to the WTO in, in 2001, which is the subject of next week's podcast. Um, and I don't think if they if they're not going to play fair, then you can't. When was the last time care. a Tory government was delivering absolute Tory policies? Are you looking back to Thatcher mid eighties? Yes. Yeah, because she won the seventy-nine election with a quite a kind of just wasn't Thatcher didn't even start until eighty-three or eighty-four, did it? Absolutely, absolutely right. Um, it it, it, was, it, it was, existed for like five for six years and then it stopped existing. So essentially, what you're going back to is a six-year period of pure Thatcherism and everything else is bunkum. Yes, uh, yes, that would be me, and and I realised that. Having talked, having talked to lots of people who know about conservative history and stuff, that I'm not necessarily representative <laughs> of conservative tradition. That Margaret it's Thatcher, what the One Nation uh, tradition, which I is despise one what nation. Theresa May talked about a lot. Yeah, David Cameron tried to go towards with modernising. It's it. just Blairite. It's it's look. It was interesting. But it wins elections. I heard, or not for Theresa May, did for David Cameron. I heard, I heard Nick Timothy. Um, who I liked much more on, on a podcast on, on, on the Chopper podcast oh. um, just now, and I, I spoke to him afterwards. He was really nice. I felt rather embarrassed about having slagged him off all the time. He's a very nice um, bloke. But 
he was he was saying that that all one nation Tory uh, Toryism was was about well not having a, denied, a, a divided nation so black and white and I don't know <coughs> um, rich and poor north and south but actually I think that's a that's a kind of handy handy apologia for what one nation you know that's the theory the reality is. One nation Toryism is conservatism watered down so much that you might as well be voting for Tony Blair, which is what David Cameron watered did. Watered down, maybe, but to appeal to a wider group of people. Yeah, what you're describing is a very narrow sliver of society, which may, wouldn't give you a majority. No, I, d- I, I. Well, look, th- you're talking counterfactuals. So we don't know because because um, we, we we never had that opportunity. We never had David Cameron presenting what was the, the phrase at the time clear blue water between the conservatives and the labor he never did that he, he wasn't he wasn't in my book rem- nearly radical enough the only th- anything he was radical on was was education and that was because he was lucky enough to have well he picked Michael up a labor policy didn't Michael, he yeah, and that was all that, that was a labor policy exactly. which he inherited and didn't and quite liked yeah because it was taking power away from local authorities i'm just being generous here i'm just <laughs> i'm giving you just just in case you were going to come in and say what about education i'm and i'm conceding that point well the I, old days i mean back in the days one of the Tory idea which seemed quite interesting was vouchers I think it's so just ra- a great rather idea. Rather than having you putting your kids through your through the education system, paying out of your tax income, and 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 not using your the the taxes you're paying or not paying for your kids' education, yeah. just get vouchers that that can be knocked off private school bills if you want them to. Be. I think vouchers. I, I don't know why that hasn't been revived. I think it's a good it's a good free market policy. I think there is definitely something wrong at the moment with the situation we've got. With have you have you got children? I'm sure. Yeah, three. Yeah. And are they private or are they both? They'd be would be mixed and matched for various yeah, reasons. Yeah. I mean, it's it's absolutely. Fraser Nelson was writing about this in the Spectator the other day. He was saying that that we are known as the country where even before your child is born, you start speculating nervously on how on earth you're going to deal with the education. It's it's a terrifying. Isn't experience. it actually? I also read a good piece in Spectator before that about someone from Canada was saying in Canada you send your kids to the local school and no one worries about it. Yeah, the reason why everyone worries about Canada. Look at what's happened to them. The reason why everyone worries about. Um, where your kids go to school is because the parents want to meet other good parents at the school gate. It's all about networking T- totally. and getting on in life. Forget the kids' education, it's who's at the school gate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's I, what it's about. Yeah, yeah, and, and I've, I've enjoyed that. I know that my children are going to be hanging out with the... Are your kids about school? The, yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, they, so they, they've p- just so finished. So you're very kindly funding my children's education who are now in state schools. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you, thank you for, for, for that, James Dellingpole. You know, and also you're paying out of your tax income for your educa- the kids' education. You're, uh, you're huge. You're just lifting the load off the state. It's about time somebody thanked me for all that. But no, I, no one I, thanks you enough. They don't, they don't, they don't. I, I, yeah, they've just finished school. Um, mm. all, uh, so all three children And then when they try and get into university, they, they, they're just discriminated against because they're seen as being born with a civil spoon in their mouth. Don't think I'm not, I'm not very bitter about that. <laughs> I, no, no, I, I really am, actually. I, it, it, it's one of the few areas where I'm actually a bit of a sourpuss. I, I think that Oxford and Cambridge have been completely ruined by the by, the liberal left. I mean, there's this ghastly. But woman. isn't it right though? There should be. It's harder if you're at a state school to get schooled properly for a big university. So to make allowances for that in grades is a is a fair I enough rebalance. No, I don't. But I, I think the job of a university is to educate the best, regardless of where they've been to school. And if if privately educated children can perform well in the exams or in the in the interviews, then I don't see why they should be punished for that, for those skills. Um, but a child who hasn't had the benefit of that schooling and that coaching it's, won't get in. That's not fair. It's it's well, fair. I think is one of the great um, mistakes of of our, to, to view the world through through a filter of it's not fair. 
I think what actually happens is you end up the system creating greater injustices than it solves. Look, I went to Catherine, you asked me who I've had on the podcast. Catherine Verbalsing, who I totally love. I mean, I've, I have got yep. lots for, and she, she's amazing. She's, she's rejected. You know me what hymn they sing twice a week um, in the, mo- in what, their morning assembly? I vow to my country. Oh yeah, yeah. They sing yeah, yeah, yeah. it uh, twice a week. Have you been there? No, I, I, I. Roger Scruton told me to do. I, I phoned. I phoned her up, and they, yeah, I think they sing Jerusalem, and I, I vow to my country, and it's extraordinary. I mean, it's it's. Gives them a connection with with the country they're in, Britain. It's just, it's, do you know it inculcates how, do you know how many values. Do you know how many middle class children are at that school? No, one. One. They've got. The, I asked him about this, and, and, and you're right. What's his name? Tarquin. No, no. He's, he's. I think he's the son of a of a a, a, a comprehensive school head or something okay, like that. Okay. Anyway, um, you're right. There are very very few white faces there. Most of the girls are wearing hijabs. These are the kind of. If this school were anywhere else, they would be having those. Um, knife arches before the, mm. before the, as the children came in. There would be dukings in the playground. Mm. You sit down, when you go and visit the school, you sit down at a lunch table with the kids. And I had, a, a, these were 11-year-olds, I, I think. Um, it's a primary school, isn't it? It, it is a primary school. These were, these were 11-year-olds. And we started talking about Brexit. And th- they were talking intelligently. That's Every amazing. child contributed um and they uh half the table was was pro-brexit uh now can you imagine that in an average state school they'd have all have been brainwashed that brexit is literally hitler because that's that's where that's where the, so is, is it the teaching you think which which produced these these uh free free-spirited you know open-minded children or is, so you think that I mean, are, are you? Oh. Is Catherine? If you're saying if other schools aren't doing that, is that because of the head teacher or is that the rules? It's it's it? it's, it's it's counterintuitive um, in that the incredible strictness and rigor of the environment. I mean, it is I described it as like a combination of a of a, a, a marine boot camp and a Trappist monastery because they 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 walk around in total silence and and the discipline is very very severe. Is that a bit sinister? Is it no. weird? Is it weird? Not, okay, because kids no. should be running around shouting, shouldn't they? No, no, because you see that you can see the joy in their faces. You see, well, they the, love it. Yeah, they absolutely love it. But what I'm but saying kids is, kids run around the playground and sing and shout. Interesting, and push you over. Say, interesting, you say that. Um, Do you know what I mean? Catherine's line on that is, she said, "Look, we can't be like Eton. I mean, Eton, which is where um, my boy went, is the opposite. It's kind of like I, it's like a libertarian experiment. Yeah, they the kids don't have bedtimes." They no. decide when they... So they have the discipline as a school, so and, they, they, and they, they like it, do you think? They, 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 are, they are free. They are free to do what they like, but, they are, but there's a kind of subtle pressure exerted from, from their fellow boys wow. to, to do well. Is it boys and girls? No, it's boys. No, boys only, yeah, no, it? Yeah. Okay. But, but Catherine said to me that, that it would never work in the, the kind of environments that these, these children come from. There probably sometimes no books in the house. Yeah. There's no... There's no um, Routine of discipline, yeah. so the the, the the teachers have to provide that. A lot of the, a lot of the staff at at sounds amazing at, at that school are very highly motivated. Mm. Um, very, they're, they're they're probably fresh out of Oxbridge, you know, really yeah. eager. You, I, I don't how big, know how big is the school. Is it? It's well, I mean, big enough that they have they have to have the children in two lunch sittings because they because mm. yeah. otherwise they they couldn't they couldn't. Fit and how many honours has she got, Catherine Burblesing? I, she's got to be Lady Burblesing, hasn't she? Dame. Very soon. Dame? But, yeah. Is she? Uh, w- w- no, she, no, no, she's not yet, but she... Nothing at all. She's a... Sh- a, she's a shoe in because she ticks all the right yeah. boxes. I mean, the d- diversity and gender boxes. But, but it sounds amazing. She's a heroine, isn't she? She's... I... I look, there, there are a few people I worship. Catherine Burblesing is one of them. Jacob Rees-Mogg is one. I was going to ask you about another of my heroes, because I've never met him. 
how much of a god, a, a shining god, <laughs> a shining painted god is Dominic Cummings? Well, I've met him once for a cup of tea. So, the, so you, you, you've met him I've once? I've met him in 20, before, before the referendum in 2016. Yeah. I liked him. Yeah, um, you know, then his big, his big he, was, he was trying to sort of convince me how we could win the referendum. And he talked about the AV referendum. I think he was part of that. Mm. I think that's right. Well, he, all the parts of the one in, in, in the John, against the John Prescott original government plans in 2001, I think it was. Um, you know, I think, I think, uh, I don't know him, I don't really know, he wouldn't, you know, I don't really know him to talk to either. I mean, I think he is a disruptor. I think he's just completely just, he's just, just he's just causing a bit of chaos at the top of government and giving a bit of spine to Boris Johnson, who, you know, who's arguably wouldn't have this kind of fixed determination to deliver Brexit if he, if he wasn't there. Do you maybe. not think that, that he's... He's the reason, really, why I have such faith in in Boris delivering Brexit, because he is such a... He, he seems to be several steps ahead of the opposition. All the people running number 10, it, 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 when they're in their obituaries, the first line will be the Brexit vote in 2016. They know that. So they are trying... They are personally invested in getting Brexit done. And frankly, if these guys can't do it, it will never happen. Because yeah. And all the chaos we're seeing in... Parliament with people who don't want to appear to accept the vote properly in 2016, the courts ruling in Scotland just this week. Um, this is an indication of what they're up against. And frankly, if, the, if that group can't do it, it's never going to happen. Yeah. Have you been surprised by the resistance of the establishment to Brexit? Well, I have been. I think it's surprising that <clears throat> they're not being fully open about their intentions because they all campaign for although Tom Watson is saying now this week for having a second referendum. But I don't see how the second second referendum resolves the argument. No. Because even if if the polls are right and it's 55-45 for Remain in percent terms, how is that going to solve it? Because it's not going to look very fair to the 52-48 one, which is overturned. I just don't understand how a referendum resolves anything. The problem is that um, if you even look at Jacob Rees-Mogg, back in 2013, 2014, he was a reformer of the EU, not a lever. And and the, the vote, you know, the vote in 2016 forced people into positions they never were in previously. And it's coming back from that position. I can't see it. You've just reminded me of a story that was in the uh, in Michael Ash- Ashcroft's biography of Jacob Rees-Mogg. And you've just had yeah. Michael Ashcroft. Jacob's Ladder. Jacob's Ladder. And... Did I know this? That when Jacob was trying to get on the parliamentary list in 2010, that Conservative Central Office tried to veto him because they wanted more um, working class, <laughs> diverse, female... I didn't, didn't see it. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it, it, was, it, was in, it was in the Mail on Sunday. Because, of course, in that same election... Annunciata Rees Mogg was allowed to stand as Nancy Rees Mogg. Remember that? That was that I, was the other. I thought she w- w- did. She actually stand. Or was it was 05. I thought she was. She was not not allowed. Was not to stand. allowed. Or she tried to stand in 05. No. I, I forget the actual David. Detail. Yeah, David Cameron said that 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 David Old Etonian David Cameron said that that Annunciata was too posh a name, uh, and that she's campaigned as Nancy. Hasn't David got a daughter called Nancy? I think possibly. Oh. I think so. I forget all the Possibly, Yeah, all the he's, he, see, he's such a yesterday's man. Well, he's now. about to be in the news next week, isn't he? His book's out shortly. Yeah, but that. No one's going to care. You, have, you met David Cameron a few times, haven't you? you, you you're old Italians. You're, you're no, meeting some I, club. No, I, wasn't, I wasn't eating. Uh, no, I, oh, I, you I, weren't there. No, I, I knew him in Oxford. No, we, 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 we smoked dope together um, in my rooms in, in Christchurch. Oh, right. That was, that was the big. 
that was my brief hour of notoriety because I in in again Ashcroft's and um, Isabel Oakeshott's biography yes. of, of Dave, I vouchsafe that when I'd been at Oxford, we'd been in this thing called the Flam Club. Club the Flam th- Club. Three members. We used to listen to Supertramp albums yes. and listen to the Flams, which is like a sort of like a, a a drum beat where you where you the beats come close together to form almost a single sound, like that. And and Supertramp would were big on those, and we used to we appreciate those while listening to Crime of the Century. Right. Um, and this appeared in the book. And it, I was on the front page of the, the mail as the only journalist, the first journalist ever to have admitted to taking drugs with the Prime Minister. <laughs> but I, but I, I seriously, I, I thought yes. then, and I, and I did think now, and, and, and this, was my, this was my reasoning when I, when I agreed to, to go on the record with this, dope is not a thing anymore. No, no one, no one cares. Why did you wait so long to go on the record, given it was not a public interest back in 2005 when he became Prime Minister? Funny you mentioned that. Um, I originally, I was sweet-talked by the then editor of, uh, by Eleanor Mills, I think it was, on the Sunday Times, sweet-talked into doing a piece called something like The David Cameron I Knew at Oxford. And I, 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 had, I, had, I was going to mention en passant that, that, that. You know, about, about, and, and then I, then I realised that I'd been sucked into a trap. I mean, Eleanor is lovely and very persuasive, but I, I realised the only thing they gave a toss about was, I took drugs <laughs> at, at Oxford with David Cameron. So uh, after consultation with Michael Gove, um, <laughs> I, I I backtracked and decided, and, and and I then and this is what, what date was this? Twenty eighty five. Don't know when it was, but the editor of the, the then editor of the Sunday Times, what's he called? Um, John Witherow. John Witherow was so cross that he banned me from ever writing for the Sunday Times again, which was which was which was quite a big deal because yeah. I used to get they used to pay quite well. Mm. Um, so I really took a massive hit there. I mean, I don't regret it necessarily, and I actually got a personal call from Dave. So thanking, thanking me for not for not doing this. By the time that uh, you're right, by the time my revelations came out, they really didn't have much market value because no. Dave was already a, a kind of lame duck prime minister. No one really cared about yeah. him anymore. It didn't matter so much. I mean, back in the day, perhaps the, perhaps then it was drugs was a big thing. Ten years before that, it was if you were gay or not, and these things have less currency nowadays, don't they? I By mean, the way, no one I, cares. I think it's very it's very amusing. You are, of all the guests I've ever had on the podcast, you are the one that's interviewed me most. You can't help it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think it's really so, good. Do you mind? Not at all. No, it's absolutely, I love talking about myself. And, I, and actually, I think, you know, sometimes the, 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 the special friend who listens to this is thinking, if only I could hear a bit more about James Delling. <laughs> well, I think I might stop speaking now and let you speak. Uh, yeah, but I don't know what to say now. You've, you, I, I, now I've gone into, into question answering mode. No, actually, I do. I, the, I, I wanted to ask you about something that you mentioned. We were talking before the, the, the Chopper podcast about this. Um, I asked you whether when you were growing up, yes. there was a stage when you, th- when you thought that you looked at the House of Lords, uh, in as much as anyone thinks about the House of Lords when yes, you're young, which, which, you, which you don't at all. No. But I had this view of the establishment as being this this noble and decent thing and since since I've, I've been middle-aged I just look at the kind of reptilian creeps who get elected to the House of Lords which I think should be hereditary still I, I, I think it was a big mistake I, I think Tony Blair's reformation of the House of Lords was, was one of the biggest constitutional disasters there's currently around 70 or 80 aren't there yeah since the reforms in 98 that's yeah. it yeah <coughs> the, They're elected, by the way. The kind, the kind of people who get into the House of Lords now. So we've got Gavin Barwell, or Hamsterface, as I call him, one of the least talented, talented Conservative ministers 
ever, probably. Uh, what did what was the one thing he was good at? Being doggedly loyal to the worst prime minister in history. His reward for this, to be elevated to the House of Lords, to be called Lord Barwell for the rest of his life, probably to get better tables in restaurant, and to scrutinise laws from a conservative to represent conservative. When I'd, I'm thinking, I don't want this this creep, this squish, <coughs> representing Team Conservative. I don't want him in the House of Lords at all. He gets three hundred pounds a day for turning up. Can answer that in two ways or yeah. two points. I think that the Tories need more peers in the House of Lords. Yeah, but, that but, is but, but Tories. without doubt Tories. But he's a Tory. Um, he's I not. think that he's you not. know having people who can push a Tory message because the party is, is hopelessly outgunned by lots of Lib Dems, disproportionate number of Lib Dem peers. Plus Labour peers, plus no. a lot of cross benches. I With think the you party on that. has very so it's very hard to get anything through from a Tory point of view. The the Tory government often gets things through purely because it's elected and has and has this kind of um, you know this more power in, the, in our in our constitution such as as it is. Um, but if you're criticising the honours, which you seem to be from from pre, the PM's resignation honours yeah. list, I do think. It's dreadful the way it looks like the people. The nearer you are to the PM, the more likely you are to get an honour. I mean, I don't know what Catherine Burble Singh's got in terms of honours, but there are these heroes out there who are not getting rec- recognised, in my view. And yeah. then it seems the nearer you are to the the sun, or near you are to the to the kind of the, the life giving force at the heart of government, the more likely you are to get rewarded. Well, exactly. Well, I, when I was grumbling about this to to my wife, she was saying it was ever thus. And and of course it but was I wish it, it wasn't. Was and to what degree though do you think and I think maybe that as we get you say you say you were middle aged then, that was your words, and I would say I'm middle aged. And as you get older, everyone else is your age. The policemen are your age, the PM is a bit nearer your age. Yeah. Um, you know you know, the peers are more your age and you become a bit more frustrated and you think crumbs what have they got that I haven't got and why are they doing that and I could do that and and to a degree when you were younger and met Margaret Thatcher was 30 or 40 years older than you you know and other people around her looked like like your grandparent age or your parent age so a degree we're all getting older and also degree degree familiarity breeds contempt so you're seeing more of them on social media they're tweeting and people get getting a bit more cross. I just wonder whether, because we change, we have a different view of our political leaders, and that, that changes too. No, I, I think it's I think it's more than, more than that. I think that there is no question that if you're going to have Conservatives in the Lord it, Lords, it should be Lord Dellingpole, <laughs> Lord Toby Young at a push, although he's a bit of a cuck. <laughs> Lady Burble Singh, I think, would be fantastic. Yes. But Lord Scruton, um, yes. Lord Lord Douglas Murray, we're the kind of people who should be in the Lords. I'm if not. Lord Douglas Murray means he's the son of an earl, by the way. Yeah, 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 sorry. So you need Lord Murray no, of Oxford. The reason I said Lord, Lord Douglas Murray was oh, you're absolutely. I, I, I admire your I, your pernickety. Um, yeah. I work for Telegraph. I know yeah, these they, things. They, that's true. Does the does the Telegraph Court and Social still do, do, does yes. that still operate? Of course it does, uh, and and we have a a, a, um, a, a style book written yeah. by Simon Heffer, um, lately of this parish, which sets out Heffer, that the, the son yeah. of an earl is yeah. Lord Douglas Murray, yeah. but a peer in his own right is Lord Murray of Oxford. Yes, well, Lord, Lord Lord Murray would be excellent. But the thing is, people like the the, the way the left operates is so good at blackening the name of of anyone who's who's to the right of. Gavin Barwell say um, to, to make us look like we're well we're Nazis and therefore any attempt to to elevate us to the Lords as w- is entirely or would be entirely proper is going to be rejected by the the, the, the sort of left wing Twitter mob. It's not though, is it? Because there's a, a, a House of Lords Appointments Commission, 
which I think I think Charles Moore sits on, the former editor of the Telegraph, oh, which, which vets yeah, names yeah. as they come forward. The problem mm. is that they have to announce. They have um, cohorts of groups of people to announce. So you get three Tories, three Labour, yeah. a Lib Dem and a Green or something every so often. Yeah. So you can't really... The problem with there's an inbuilt bias against the Tory party in the House of Lords, which is going to be hard to overcome. Do you think... So what, you scrap it. So what are you saying? You think I should join the Green Party? Do you think I might... Because actually... If you want a peerage, if you want an honour, yeah. well, you want to be a Lib Dem. Uh, loads of nights. Yeah, but I'm not into um, kitty fiddling or um, transvestism. <laughs> you or can't say that. They, oh, come on. You Cyril, cannot say that. Cyril Smith. The, if you look at the Liberal Democrats' record on perversion, they are the party of the perverts. There's no, there's no <laughs> doubt about it. I am not going to come on this conversation. No, no. Well, it, it, it is the Liberal mindset. Just before we go, I... I I used to, one of the one my big regrets in life, life journalistically is that um, my friend Susanna Gross used to edit the mail books pages and give me really good books to review and they used to pay really well. And one week as a favour uh, to a friend, she gave me this book to edit on the history of liberalism. And I read about a page of it and I thought, even as a, I love you Susanna, even as a favour to you, even though I'm going to get paid for this, even though whatever friend... This is such unmitigated shite. I, there is no <laughs> argument for... Classical liberalism, obviously, the kind of thing that I am. That's, that's great. Mm. But liberalism, I think, is... So small, actually, L, small L and capital L, isn't actually it? Actually worse than socialism or communism or anything. I think there was nothing Did more you review the book after you no, 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 no. I, I just thought... I, just thought, I, I, I can't I, read it. I, but wouldn't I, there be an interesting review to you to take on and to go through this book, even though you disagree dis, dis, uh, with every single word of the book, no, because it was like it was like wrestling. It would have been like wrestling jelly. I, I, I simply couldn't get a handle on on this this world view. It was like it was like reading Sanskrit or something. The problem with Lib Dems for a lot of uh, sitting on the Labour side and probably the Tory side is that they they are hard to pin down and they appear to have different. They can often shape shift into the opposition wherever they are in the yes. country, and that is that's always been the problem. With with Labour and Tories historically have been pretty clear on where they stand. You mentioned earlier low tax of the Tories and and state intervention on the Labour side, but the Lib Dems can shape shift, and that is what is so frustrating. If you're trying to fight them in a by election or election, I've been told by other parties that they can't pin them down because they move and and it's very form into the opponent. It's um it's it's very funny um that I was once at a dinner with uh, Jesse Norman. And Jesse Norman referred to this as playing the Lib Dem game, and you know being a constituency MP and and, and going big for the um, you know the, the local hospital and, and all this stuff, and it's how you keep your seat. But funnily enough, when I quoted him on this later on, he denied all knowledge of this hmm. of, of this phrase, which I thought I thought kind of ref- reflected no. badly on him. Why I I don't I like career safety in politicians. I, I think great great hits in my early days at the Telegraph when. Um, um, the, they were, the last Tory, last Labour government was closing around two and a half thousand post offices. Yes, and they all, all a lot of these um, ministers in the cabinet. I remember thinking, I remember Jack Straw doing it, posed outside their local, local branch, save our post office, you know, and they were backing the national policy. And there's this complete disconnect between the oh, it's all right for two and a half thousand to close across the country, but not in. But I want to fight the one in my backyard. And this disconnect, which you're describing, yeah. was probably understood by the MP. Looked a bit ridiculous when in the papers, the pages of the Telegraph. Well, you, you wonder that because actually, I think that that 
unfortunately, th- this kind of messaging t- seems to work well with the public. They seem to be lo- a lot Do of people. Understand? I think them. I think it's look, ridiculous. I'm torn. I'm on the one hand, I'm a great believer in the wisdom of crowds, and I, I do believe that's the case. In, which is why I'm so confident about Brexit. By the way, I do believe that when the tide of history and the British people decide something, that's the way it's going to go, inevitably, sooner or, 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 or later. So, on the one hand, I believe in the wisdom of crowds, and yet the other, uh, at the same time, the conversations that you and I are having, the kind of the, the sort of audience we're addressing with our sort of wonkish discussions mm. about politics there are very very few people that they're not representative of, of, of the country at large most people don't know who these these mps are they don't they, probably they, they've seen boris johnson getting stuck on a on a, on a they shouldn't know who speaker burko is they, they shouldn't, they shouldn't know. know who no they bloody well, they bloody well do now they, they bloody well do before we go one one other thing that struck me um i don't know if you observe this about labor mps i see a lot of a lot of labor mps I'm not sure what they, these people actually believe anymore, other than in identity politics. You look at the um, uh, who's that blonde one who'd be quite fit if she lost a slightly bit of weight. Um, uh, her. I have no idea you're talking about. Um, uh, or Jess Phillips. I've never seen. I, I think Jess Phillips is the most overrated MP in history because all she does. She, I don't believe she believes in anything other than playing the cry bully, oh, I'm a feminist, and it really matters to me. I, d- d- I don't think that's fair. I think yeah, of course you she... wouldn't think it's fair, because you go native, you people. I'm not native with her at all, no, no. I think... Um, what does she she's believe amazing in? amazing campaigner for women's rights. She's, yeah, well, she's that's bollocks women, in women's itself, ref- isn't it? Women's refuges and... Okay, sorry. Just, just. I think so. I, I, I she campaigns for women's rights. What, what is the problem with women's rights in this country? What rights do women not have? If she were, if she were out there campaigning, uh, campaigning for the rights of women in the Muslim world, campaigning against the hijab, I can understand it. She's not. She's campaigning for fem- a feminist war, which has been won long, long ago. Mm. So I don't count that as it. So what else does she believe in? Well, I don't really know her politics. I mean, I think well, that's she, it. That's it. She is against Brexit and that, that everyone defines themselves now in, in politics if you're pro anti Brexit and, and I think that you know the parties are moving towards recognising the vote in twenty sixteen, I think, other what, what's happening. So Labour's going pro Remain, apart from Corbyn who can't quite acknowledge that. Do you think there's anything in my view that we are about to enter a new golden era of conservatism under Boris and that and that we're we're gonna get sort of Thatcher Mark too? Well I think I just described to you how I think that can happen, but I think he's got to grasp the nettle of a hard Brexit to get to that position. Yes, but the, it, the, the, the gold, he, the golden, up, the sunny uplands you're describing, because I think he'll then, if he does that, if Dominic Cummings will listen to this, he would do that and then tack back into the centre, because he's basically quite a soft Tory anyway, isn't he? Yeah, I like your analysis apart from the tacking back to the centre bit. And but the, he'll on, do that. And, and that yes, that's might. where the votes are, James. They aren't where you are in um, politics. Well, no, you're, you're going to say it's never been tested. I'm just saying, but no party I'm wants saying to risk it. look it up, dog shit yogurt fallacy. Um, <laughs> anyway, thank you, Chopper Christopher Hope, for being a, a, a lovely special guest on the podcast. Listen to Chopper's podcast, which is funny enough called Brexit Chopper's podcast. Brexit Podcast. And he's going to be, I, th- I think you're going to be uh, speaking po- at Podcast, podcast Live, Live yeah. on October the 5th. But I fear, have we not been scheduled at the same time, which is crazy. I'm 1pm. Are you 1pm? I don't know. I haven't looked at the time yet. Well, I'll tell you what, if I'm there and you're on, I'll go to yours. Will you come to mine? Yes, I will. If, if, if we don't Can clash, we shake on that now? We'll shake on that. Deal. Yeah, deal. Good. Thanks for having me on. It's been great fun. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Um, thank you for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>